0: the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code Kara. Use code Kara for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code Kara. Entrepreneurs
1: see things others don't see. They see problems and they
0: We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Well, let's, go. let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm super, super excited. I've been fangirling over her products for years. I had it originally on one of my favorite sites, Netta Porter. Uh, but I have Divya Gugnani from Wander Beauty here, and I'm so, so thrilled to have her as my next guest. So just a little bit about her. She is the co-founder of Wander Beauty, which has been trailblazing new paths for clean, cruelty-free, and essential beauty products. And she started four companies. She was also in uh, banking for years. We'll talk a little bit about that and some of her background and how that has uh, really helped her to build the business that she loves. And she's also an author, co-author, lady friend over here, Um, Sexy Women Eat, Secrets to Eating What You Want and Still Looking Fabulous. I absolutely love that you're an author as well. Very, very cool. We're going to hear a little bit about that. And more than anything, how you just managed this crazy career. You're a New Yorker or living in New York. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but welcome. I'm happy to be here. Super, super, super excited. So talk to me a little bit about where did Divya get started? Like where, who who was she when she was,
1: you know, little girl? I was in Springfield, Illinois where no one was gonna find me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was born in Springfield, Illinois. Um, my father worked for the government, which is why we were there. He actually came over from India for, um, grad school. He had an arranged marriage with my mom and then, um, he lost his job in the government and he became an entrepreneur. And when he started his business and we were in Springfield, Illinois, it grew to a point where he felt like we needed to move to New York. So we moved to New York, um, when I was about three and a half, and um, I primarily grew up in Long Island, which is kind of suburbs of Manhattan, and um, then went to Cornell, studied public policy, thought I was going to be a lawyer. I'm sure my parents would have been much happier if I told them I wanted to be a doctor. You know, those Indian parents, they hold out. You have to be like engineer, doctor, or <laughs> your chop chopped liver. Um, and so <laughs> I did an internship in investment banking in college, and I loved it. And then I took a job at Goldman Sachs and worked at Goldman Sachs for a few years, then worked in private equity. I invested in late-stage businesses, then worked in venture capital, invested in early-stage businesses, then got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug. And as you mentioned, I've started and co-founded four businesses since then. And I'm a diehard entrepreneur. I love entrepreneurship. It's just something that drives me and I thrive on. Um, And I have my own investment fund as well called Concept2Co, where I invest in kind of pre-seed to Series B um, consumer companies, mainly some of the brands that, you know, that you've had guests on your show.
0: How did you get the first bite? As you said, like the, the itch to, to go out and be an entrepreneur. You know, it's so
1: bizarre. I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I am an accidental entrepreneur. I did not want to have the instability and the stress of being an entrepreneur. Cause I know a lot of it is glamorized in the press. Like it's so fabulous. Like it's really, really hard work. He works seven days a week. It's a thankless job. And I love it but it's hard stuff. So I was dating someone and he was not really working or figuring out what he wanted to do with his career. And so I started a company for him and was like, here, we're gonna start this company and you're gonna work. I do something besides sit on my couch. Employ um, him. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that was the whole idea. And little did I know that this little company that I started out of my Manhattan apartment on thirty sixth street would grow to be a multi million dollar business that we would sell.
0: And what was the name of that company? It was called Deutsche Parts
1: and we had an, you know, auto parts business where we sold aftermarket auto parts primarily on eBay, but also on to other bigger auto parts chains. Um, it was crazy, but you know, I'd handled the e-commerce and handled a lot of the fulfillment, the shipping, the cons- customer service, all of that stuff. So I got the chance to kind of get my head into everything and learn it. But then after that, and you know, that experience, I ended up starting a company in the culinary space. I'd gone to culinary school between undergrad and business school. Um, and then a tech company that was focused on fashion accessories and now Wander Beauty. So all different industries.
0: Totally different industries, I love that. I think that there's this idea that when you're an entrepreneur, you have to like pick an industry. I mean, I think that I was actually speaking at a business school uh, when my book launched last October and I was invited in to speak and they're actually rewriting their curriculum because I said that, you know, the problem is is that you're teaching people that they have to, you know, go be an entrepreneur in tech and go be an entrepreneur in beauty when actually the best entrepreneurs actually are entrepreneurs, but they cross lanes, right? A hundred percent. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well-written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year.
1: Entrepreneurs see things others don't see. They take Mm -hmm. risks that others don't take, but it's a DNA. It's like, you know, they see problems and they create companies to solve them.
0: A hundred percent. I totally, totally agree. And so Wander Beauty, as I mentioned, is this it has this amazing slew of products i i can't even you know actually your eyeliner too is rock star. i mean it's it's so nice and uh it's not so hard that it's like impossible Slides. it's called
1: slide liner for a reason yeah the brand is pretty much you know it came out of a personal pain point my co-founder lindsay and i met at a party we were both like struggling with our beauty routines i had two children within two years and when I had those kids, I actually was diagnosed with autoimmune disease right before that. And I had suffered from a lot of different chemical allergies. I couldn't use any of the personal care and beauty products that I was using. Um, I was only using things that were natural and organic and they were lackluster in performance. And as, as my condition started to improve and I could actually incorporate safe synthetics into my routine, I started looking like a human, like a kind of polished human, like 25% better than what I normally look like. Um, and so I was always in the search for clean beauty. For me, clean beauty is really where it's at. We're certified clean at Sephora, you know, clean at net um, clean at Nordstrom, all these other retailer partners that we have. And what I wanted was one brand as a career mom with two kids who literally drinks a glass of Cabernet at night and wants to get on her iPhone in a minute and 30 seconds wants to buy what she needs and have it delivered to her doorstep because, totally. you know, I'm also an Amazon Prime customer and just need everything coming to my house <laughs> all the time. I just like to swim in packages. Um, and I wanted to have one brand where I could just get fuss-free, foolproof, do-it-yourself beauty, clean beauty essentials, things you reach for every day, cross-category across, you know, powerful skincare that's clinically proven and you know performance makeup that's going to last all day and a limited assortment of hair and body and I wanted one place where you can get clean beauty essentials that you reach for every day wherever you wander.
0: I love it. I love your your shampoo and body wash. I'm oh. always telling I I'm always telling my husband actually whenever we're traveling he's like, "Okay, which one's the body wash?" and I'm like, it's the same stuff. Like just try to use hey, so whatever. That was in a minute. labor of love. You know, I
1: really love all-inclusive and scenic route. Those are like sleepers in our regimen that people don't know about, but I love that you love it. And every, my friend who's a celebrity makeup artist, Jamie Greenberg, she's like, it is amazing how well you do hair. And she's like, it's amazing how well you do color and skin. And like, you really have to have that lens of like, we're a beauty brand. We're servicing the modern woman who's time-starved and on the go. We want to hit each category with real performance. And so we had to do it really well or not do it at all.
0: So how's your entrepreneurial style changed over time as you've gained you know, more experience and gone into different industries? It has changed
1: dramatically. So I used to be the entrepreneur who used to do everything herself when I first started my first business, I was like, I have to check every PO. I have to check every single dollar. I checked the financials line by line. Like I just was so meticulous and detail oriented, which is a Virgo, you know, tendency, Right. I will say. Um, but as I have developed more strong gut intuition and built and scaled companies, I've learned that I can, you know, think strategy, think opportunities, think partnership, and bring amazing team members on to handle a lot of the execution. And my role has changed dramatically, even at Wander in the last, you know, it's been five years that we've been running the business and we hired a president last year. And just alleviating a lot of the day-to-day responsibilities I used to handle so granularly has been an amazing journey for me personally to then actually have time to sit back and to think about what does the next three years look like? What do the next five years look like? And be able to, think out of the box and be creative and think strategy. So I, early days, execution, 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 buses moving forward, wheels are falling off. How do I just like make the bus go forward? And now it's more about, you know, what Jeff Bezos says when he's, someone congratulates him on a good quarter. And he's like, don't congratulate me. Like this quarter was like thought about like two years ago. He's like, congratulate the team that delivered the quarter. He's like, I'm thinking two years ahead. So, you know, that's kind of, um, the mentality I want to get into, I'm not there yet, but we're working on it.
0: I love it. How many people are on your team?
1: You know, I think we're kind of mid-20s now, maybe high 20s. I, I, I love We've it. hired a lot during COVID and kind of changed our talent a bit, um, but I'm excited to build and grow.
0: So you sell, you mentioned some of the places that you sell, and then you sell do you, you, direct, direct to consumer?
1: Direct-to-consumer, yeah. Direct-to-consumer is our number one storefront. It's our number one area focuses
0: D2C. Why do you think that's important to beauty brands, uh, to have you know, that relationship, that direct relationship with the consumer?
1: I think it's important for any brand, for us in particular. When we first launched our brand, we surveyed a hundred women and we asked them what their pain points were in their beauty routine. And these women were 18 to 72 and we wanted to know all the problems. What do you hate about your current beauty regimen? Oh, I have one trick wonders. And oh, I have foundation in a glass bottle I can't take on a plane, it's gonna explode. You know, I want things that have built-in applicators so I don't have to bring a powder and a brush. I want cream and sticks that I can do in the back of a car. So we learned so much from these community members and we formulated and created products that were multitaskers that would save them time, save them space and save them money. So every multitasker we've created at Wander Beauty has been really originated from the community, and so it feels only sensible that a they participate in the journey of creating it. So they help us decide the packaging, they vote on it. They, you know, different community members are testing early versions of formulas. The customer is so deeply ingrained in the Wander Beauty product development process that ultimately selling directly to her it makes the most sense, and having that direct two way communication on what's working, what's not working, what they like, what they don't like, we have to own that feedback loop. And the way to do it is to have a D2C business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think anybody who has not figured that out uh, given the pandemic and, you know, is relying on sort of somebody else to sell their products, uh, you know, when stores close, when you don't really understand the financials of some of the partners that you're partnering with, whatever it is, I think is, uh, They've got their head in the sand and, and that people definitely need to figure out how to not only work with these partners, because they are really important aspects of their business. I mean, certainly over over 50% of our business, by the way, is direct to consumer um, for our beverage, which is very unusual.
1: Um, yes, for very unusual.
0: And, uh, but we, you know, we're in Costco nationwide and Target as well as Whole Foods and, you know. It's in as well as in many offices, not at the moment because everything's shut down, but it's um, as well as my home. Let's throw that in there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, but it's, it's so, so important. So in terms of social, I always feel like, especially for, for your category, is Instagram like gold? Instagram is definitely helpful. I will say Facebook
1: too. We really try and replicate the in-store experience with digital narrative and digital storytelling. So, Well, you're not going into a store to physically test and try our makeup and see the coverage and the payoff and the colors and the pigment um, or our skincare and see the texture, the slip, the viscosity uh, and hear the ingredient story. We use video to do a lot of digital storytelling and to show all of that on real people. So before-afters of mascara and showing you amazing differences and, you know, beautiful long lashes and complexion, covering your acne, H spots, sunspots, rosacea, treating hyperpigmentation with, you know, an overnight retinoid skincare product. So we're doing a lot of that digital storytelling, which happens, yes, on Instagram and, uh, and on Facebook. So influencers,
0: the the question of the hour, right? Yeah. So... Are influencers here to stay? Are they challenging? Are, are they I think challenging? they
1: are. You Listen, when my husband, who's a generation ahead of me, you know, asks me for Mother's Day, what I want for Mother's Day, and he starts, sh- like, literally DMing me ads from in- his Instagram feed of things that he should buy me, like, then you know influencers are here to stay. Like, I'm like, he literally, he follows female fashion influencers. I don't know if he's, like, checking them out or what he's doing, but, you know... <laughs> It's fascinating that generationally and across genders or gender fluidity, everyone is seeking to tastemakers to influence their purchasing decisions. And so it's happening. It's here. And so we're not, you know, just relying on magazines or print magazines, forget it. I don't don't remember the last time I looked at one, Um, or online magazines. We are relying on friends, family, and influencers to be tastemakers, to put everything into our skin, our hair, our body, our minds, um, and our homes. And so, you know, that's what's happening. And I think that's going to continue. I think the authenticity and the transparency in this industry is evolving. But, you know, beauty influencers, like a lot of beauty influencers that I would follow, like I used to trust and love, but when they're talking about a new product every 30 seconds, I don't know which one they're getting paid for and which one they're talking about authentically. Like it's a little confusing. The lines are blurred. So I like people who are I like micro-influencers in particular because I feel like there's a level of trust there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Don't give away any of your influencers for the beauty industry, but for other industries, yeah. fashion industry. Who, who do you like? I
1: love Coco Cashmere. She's my yeah. favorite. Coco Cashmere is, I just had lunch with her yesterday, by the way, and we became Instagram friends and like we met in real life. So IRL, Hello. it happened. It turns out she actually went to Cornell too and was in my college and was in my sorority, which is bizarre. but. I love that she just goes to Target and Zara and starts pulling things off the rack and then tells you how to style them. And I'm like, I don't know any of this. Please tell me. I need to know. And I I'm like, it. and I'm happy to shop at Target and Zara. So this is like, great. It's like up my alley. So I I really like that. I like people who are just, you know, she's grown exponentially. She has an
0: engaged community that trusts her. And that's what I love. I love that. I'll definitely, definitely check her out. So very, very cool. So your, you know, your backstory of being in finance and then starting your own company, I, I feel like that must have given you, I guess a lot of not only information, but also confidence because I think it's so scary to people. I talk to founders all the time who are going out and trying to raise money. What do you think you knew that maybe other founders don't know when they're going out to, to raise money? A couple things. One is have confidence. So many female
1: founders that pitch me sometimes are just like, my idea is not there. Or I'm not quite there. Or I'm not really sure. I'm like, don't, don't be not sure. Because if you're not sure that I'm not sure about you. Hello. I'm not writing yeah. you a check. If you don't believe in yourself, how am I going to believe in you to then recruit the right talent to deliver this business like deliver this business and growth and results? And then by the way, have vendors trust you and have customers trust you. You have to believe in yourself first. So confidence, I think, is the most important thing. And I knew that and learned it up front. Um, the other thing is like knowing how much money to raise. Classic founder mistake. Too many founders raise money too quickly, burns a hole in their pocket and they spend too much too quickly. And there is the downfall of the business. We've seen so many businesses that have been overcapitalized and haven't sold at their venture valuations and then have been you know tragic for investors. Um, so I say, raise what you need and 10 to 15% more, which is mistake capital, and then take it in stages. Phase it through. Take a little bit, see what it does for you, and take it from there. You have product market fit, you need a little bit of money to scale, scale. You really like need more capital to scale, you take a little bit more. So just do it in phases.
0: I totally agree. I think that, you know, and and also have, have a lawyer. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> because course. I think of the devils in the details, the number it of times- that I've seen, uh, you know, everybody was so nice. And then, mm-hmm. you know, until they're not right. And I think that that's, that's just a, a whole other learning too. Businesses, that I,
1: yeah. Businesses are super easy to run when times are good because everyone's smiling and happy and cheering you on. And when COVID happens and you have pandemics and difficulty, then you really see the true colors of who your investors are.
0: Yeah. And they're business people too. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, and oftentimes it's, you know, I can't say that it isn't personal, although it probably feels that way, but then it's, it's also a matter of, you know, I, I've got the cards and you don't. And I mean, I've seen this over the years so often, and I, I'm often the, the phone call to people when they, you know, phone a friend and I'm like, this is bad, you know, and it's just and, and I, I totally get a good lawyer like in the beginning, not not when you really, really, really need it. I mean, get it before and make sure that you really understand what that document says. So that's my two bits of advice. So beauty industry, what happens after covid?
1: Roaring 20s for makeup. It's going to come back in a big way. People are going to start going out, having um, all the weddings that were postponed are going to happen, events, bar mitzvahs, you know, wedding anniversaries, like all these birthdays are all going to be in a grand scale and people are going to be wearing more makeup. So I see that coming back. And I think the conversion to buy online and all those customers who started buying online or started buying online more frequently during COVID are going to continue to stick with the digital channel more than store. I think they are just, you know, that is here to stay. That's a permanent trend. And I really think that Customer who has become a skin intellectual and started taking care of their skin during COVID or taking better care of their skin during COVID will continue to do so. We'll continue to see that trend of people investing in their skin.
0: I, I totally agree. How do you think your your product? Uh, what do you see this you know this next generation Gen Z is just getting into the workforce? Right, they're graduating. They're mm-hmm. um, I actually have four Gen Zs, so no I, way. I, yeah, so I'm, I'm, um, I'm your, your focus group. So I have two girls and two boys. And, oh my uh, God. Yeah, so three in college and uh, one in high school. And anyway, but how do you think the Gen Z generation in terms of beauty varies from millennials?
1: I think they vary dramatically. I think that they're purpose-driven. I think mm-hmm. they, when they buy a product, they really feel like it, it's a reflection of who they are. Um, and so they want to buy brands that create value in their lives, but also are aligned with their ethos and values. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Gen Z cares about, and particularly in beauty, cares about ingredients, cares about formulations working with their skin, not against it. Um, they're not as heavy makeup users. They are more focused on sustainability I think these are all big things that we're seeing from our customers that are Gen Z customers. And um, and you know, gotta pay attention to that. And I think they're more focused on good for you, good for the planet.
0: I totally agree. I think there's there's one other thing that I've I've definitely seen and I've talked a bit about is that they have so much knowledge about who developed companies, way mm-hmm. more than and so I, I think that getting your story out there and, you know, you are in many ways an influencer, right? You are, I mean, they know, you know, Elon Musk, you know, love him or hate him for Gen Zers. He's the dude, like, I mean, he's the guy that, you know, reached for the stars and, you know, did stuff that is just people, uh, the number of Gen Zers that I've met that know that guy's story way more than I do like you know obviously I know what he's done and it's incredible but it's so interesting how Gen Zers are really interested in kind of backstories and I think it's it you will definitely see and obviously you have an incredible story of why you founded the company but I think that we will see for companies that maybe don't have that story don't have a why I think that it it's going to start to really show so it, it'll it'll be very Agreed. very interesting, so anyway, I love it so what so what's next for you guys?
1: Well, we have something big in the works right now. We have a big new launch coming out and it's something that we've we're doing our first brand campaign. We've never done a brand campaign before, and the campaign is all around being bright and being brighter and focusing on other entrepreneurs, just like you love to tell the stories of entrepreneurs. I do the same I and love so we have in a fantastic crew of you know female entrepreneurs, some women of color. We're going to be telling their stories and how they brighten their own lives and other people's lives. Um, We have a really amazing new multitasker that's launching that's got really innovative science behind it that we've worked on this formulation for years. So I'm so happy to finally see it come out. And so that's next in the short term. But I think in the long term, it's about building the brand, continuing to build our D2C business here in the U.S., building our global footprint. We're now globally available all through Sephora, Southeast Asia. We're in net and cult beauty in Europe, continuing to build that European footprint and, you know, really uh, also just digitally um, growing our footprint across the entire
0: world. I love it. And I I have to ask you about the book that you that you wrote. So talk to me about that. I wrote a book
1: called Sexy Women Eat. I'm a huge food fanatic. I grew up Cooking. I went to culinary school at the French Culinary Institute. I used to host a short-form TV show on food on NBC Local, so I did all the local markets. And I am just like a food fanatic. And so I wrote this book all about, you know, my love of food and my relationship with food, um, which I continue to have because I love to cook and I love to eat. That's awesome. When did the book come out? Oh my god, I don't remember. 2009, maybe or 2010. Long time ago.
0: That's awesome, and you're still it's you're still selling it, and you know it's like great. It just got a long tail. That's amazing. So great. Well, Divya, you are incredible. And again, everybody needs to go out and buy some Wander Beauty products. Go check it out. I was actually in Sephora the last weekend and saw a bunch of it as well. And uh, it is one incredible product that is just so essential. And I love the cruelty-free factor to it as well. You can feel good buying it and putting it on and, and giving it to your kids as well. well so. Clean beauty and cruelty-free.
1: And you definitely have to try the Baggage Slim Gold Eye Masks. That's a hero. It's, you know, they depuff, hydrate, and brighten your under eyes. It's like coffee for your face.
0: I love it. So, so great. Well, thanks, everybody. And thank you, Divya. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And please uh, give Divya five stars and come back and see us. We're here every Monday and Wednesday with incredible founder and CEO stories and We're just having an amazing time, getting uh, lots of stories out about founders. Hopefully everybody is learning tons from people's stories that I think are just so, so important to know about. So thank you again, Divya. Amazing, thank you for having me. Take care. Before we sign off, I wanna talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness.